Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning. Tokyo is in the red, down one-third of a percent. Seoul is trading higher by about the same margin. And Sydney is relatively flat. This follows a relatively bullish week for Asian markets, which notched up gains of about 1% to 3% last week. Good, but not as good as their American counterparts, which rose even more. So what does this week have in store for investors? Put this question to Ryan Huang. Okay, so how was the weekend, Ryan? Well, it was a good weekend because um, I managed to get a lot of things done. How about yours, Michelle? Strangely enough, yeah, very productive weekend. I worked a lot. And it's going to be a busy week, so brace yeah. yourself, fasten your seatbelts. That's it, exactly. All those earnings coming our way. All right, last week was the best week for U.S. markets in three months. Partic- investors particularly like those small caps. The Russell 2000 mm. jumped more than 6%. Blue chips and tech stocks rose upwards of 3 to 4%. Now, this week, the focus is likely to turn to financial counters. The Bank of America, Citigroup, JP Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, they all released their earnings this week week. So Ryan, what are markets expecting? Yeah, you've got a slew of earnings coming up and it starts with the banks. Mm. And that is going to be interesting to watch because uh, we've now got a environment where you now are expecting low rates for a longer time, uh, at least near 0% for the next three years. So what markets will be looking out for when they uh, see the bank earnings will be things like how much of the uh, provisions or allowance for debt is going to be set aside. Is this going to continue to be an issue, or do they see things turning around? Mm-hmm. And one of the things to think about it think think about is that right now with the COVID nineteen pandemic having so much stress on a lot of businesses, many of them are struggling. Many of them are going bankrupt, and you have many of them essentially being zombies, being supported by government grants. And these grants will run out soon. And that could add to the stress and strain of um, the banks and balance sheets. Um, So the question is, have they done enough to provision for these or do they see more coming up? So that's going to be one of the things the investors will be looking out for when they look at the books. And of course, um, with the state of business activity, um, not as what we saw pre-COVID-19 levels, is that going to further have uh, impact on the loan books. So that's going to be also part of the equation. But all in though, um, the third quarter earnings is not going to be as bad as the second quarter. That is going by the consensus forecast. So yeah. we are looking out for well, earnings to drop 21%. It's a drop, but not as bad as the second quarter's drop of 30.6%. So that is the expectations going into the earnings. So We'll see if the numbers match up to the expectations. Yeah, so early guidance, earnings season may not be as bad as we thought it would be this time round. Now, another issue that markets are going to closely track this week are the stimulus negotiations between White House and the U.S. Congress. After ending talks via Twitter on Tuesday, U.S. President Donald Trump reversed course on Friday and proposed a $1.8 trillion U.S. dollar plan. This is the U.S. President's largest offer yet, but still below a package passed earlier by the Democratic-controlled House. So, Ryan, is the White House's latest offer dead on arrival or could there be a deal in the making? From what I've read, there seems to be some opposition to it from both sides. Yeah, so Nancy Pelosi um, had a response to the deal, right? So just for context, the past week, we saw 
flips and flops back and mm-hmm. forth. Initially, Donald Trump didn't want a deal. Then he wanted a deal. He wanted mini deals. And he said he wanted a bigger deal. And the latest one on the table is $1.8 trillion. So a bit closer to where the Democrats had their proposal at $2.2 trillion, But still not enough to satisfy House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So she rejected the $1.8 trillion saying, no, it is not enough. A lot needs to be done. And one of the examples she listed was schools. So the administration wanted around, um, or rather the new proposal by Donald Trump is proposing $45 billion, but that is only 60% of what she feels the schools need. So you have a lot of all these smaller issues within the bill that have not to be have yet to be resolved. Essentially, uh, she's looking for more funding for more things, but um, the Republicans, or at least the White House, is not keen to spend so much. So that is, I think, still the crux of the issue. And now with the Republicans seeing the one point eight trillion figure go up, mm-hmm. they were initially only willing to do one point six trillion. So that is, I think, one of the sources of. Um, um, of displeasure amongst some of the Republicans. So that is causing some friction now with both sides. Yeah. In the week ahead, we have bank earnings, more stimulus negotiations. Investors will also have their eyes on new economic data, namely the latest inflation numbers on Tuesday and September retail sales on Friday. Do you understand now why Ryan and me were both working on the weekend? Now, I want to turn with you, Ryan, to the currency markets where the Chinese renminbi was on a tear last week, notching up its biggest gains in more than 13 years. Now, effective today, though, Beijing has lifted rules that make it expensive to short the Chinese currency and the renminbi has already fallen more than half a percent against the US dollar. So Ryan, what was driving the renminbi up and how far might it fall back given these new rules? Yeah, so there was a major shift in the central bank's policy in China over the weekend. So what happened was they have done away or removed the rule Mm. that banks need to hold 20% of um, the sales um, on some foreign exchange forward contracts. So that is kind of easing the cash flow for these investment firms and they can more easily bet against or short the Chinese yuan. And the backdrop to this is over the past few weeks and months, we've seen the dollar weakening. Mm -hmm. And that is off the back of an increase in um, market appetite as well with people going into the stock market and not going to the safe haven dollar. And the Chinese yuan, on the flip side, has been strengthening because of the uh, brightening prospects of the Chinese economy. So that has been pushing the Chinese yuan higher. And you mentioned just now it saw its biggest advance in more than 13 years uh, on Friday. And just for the quarter, uh, we saw it go up and had its best quarter in 12 years, appreciating more than 4% in the latest quarter. So all in, you've got now the Chinese government getting a bit more concerned that maybe it's getting a bit too strong, too fast. Let's put the brakes on this. And right now, all eyes will be on what it's going to do more on top of what it's done over the weekend. And that will be around the uh, rate fixing that's going to be coming out, the daily fixing that comes out every morning, whether it is going to guide its central banks or guide its local banks to weaken the currency even further. Mm. Yeah, while the rest of the world struggles with economic recovery, China clearly leading the way. I was reading that uh, hotel prices in, in China are up and, and tickets to the Great Wall have sold out. Goodness me, we'll keep our eye out on China for sure for you. In tech news, Apple is going to reveal its new iPhone lineup on 
Tuesday, a Morgan Stanley analyst writes that the launch will, quote, be the most significant iPhone event in years. So, hey, what is so special about this year's launch that has investors on the edge of their seats, Ryan? Yeah, it is going to be special because apparently it will be the most significant in the way that you now see a makeover of sorts for the iPhone's external um, casing. So it's going to look a bit more like the iPad when it comes to the edges rather than the smooth, curved, um, external uh, design they've been used to. So that is one. And also 5G is going to be featured or that is going to be the expectations going mm-hmm. into this launch. And also you will get a slew of iPhones. Four iPhones is, is the... Um, forecast that will be um, we will see when the event comes around including an iPhone mini all the way to an iPhone 12 Pro Max. So a range of different screens and a range of dif- different prices maybe a sign of them trying to appeal to as many people as they can with you know, the tough times like this. Mm-hmm. These um, Not everyone can expect, the, expect to um, afford the top of the range iPhone. Hmm, good point. Now, here in Singapore, we have a new data point for the property market. In fact, in just a matter of minutes, I'm going to take you to a property expo, the first of its kind, really immersive. But the number of landed homes changing hands is on the rise, I understand. Ryan, what's the latest? Okay, going by what we are looking at with the data from Orange Tea and Thai, hmm. uh, looking at the latest quarter, third quarter, we saw 544 homes, landed homes being sold. And that is a big jump from the previous quarters, 212. So that is interesting to see so much, I guess, um, buying behind the landed property space, despite what's going on with the wider economy. We hear about how the economy is not doing well mm-hmm. and pretty much COVID-19 having impact on everything. But the landed property space still seeing quite a bit of support. And that is going to be um, something worth looking at when you think about things like uh, what's going to happen in the um, months to come and what are the potential drivers that will continue to be uh, driving it forward. So one of the things that came up was with what's going on around the world, it's hard to find returns on your investments. And Singapore being a safe haven of sorts uh, is attracting long-term investors to park their money in property. So that was one reason why we are perhaps seeing this push in property sales. And also for, I guess, comparison, we had the CB or circuit breaker months in the second quarter. So that was relatively more quiet than usual. So that was, I guess, off a lower base. Mm -hmm. So you do get that jump when people were holding on to their purchasing decisions during those months and then buying in the third quarter. So that's another reason uh, that could be behind the uh, rise in third quarter numbers. Yeah, investors really looking for a place uh, to park their wealth where they can protect it. Okay, very quickly, 30 seconds on the clock. The STI, how's it doing this morning? It gave up 10 points on Friday. Yeah, STI snapped a four-day losing winning streak on Friday. Uh, now it's back up again. It's in the green by 0.3%, 2,539. So that is a picture we have setting up for quite a busy week ahead. This has been Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay tuned. Influence is straight ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.